Presented by BetMGM. Less than an hour away from kickoff Thursday night football. Got the Phillies and Diamondbacks tied up on here now, guys. Look at those, those scrappy Diamondbacks trying to stay alive. Love yeah. It. Love it. A lot of people like the Diamondbacks tonight. You guys bet the Diamondbacks No, tonight? I did not. No. no. Not I don't have any I faith saw. in them. None. Zero. There's a reason why They're I bet Houston last night. I trusted Houston in that spot, just given the fact that they've got experience. They know Altuve's what it's like to play a dog? With the pressure, all of those things. It's another situation, though, if you're talking about the Diamondbacks, who won 84 games this year. And at the same time, you look and go, yeah, you kind of like exceeded expectations. It's not the same as the Astros. So even if the Diamondbacks win, I will feel good not betting them tonight. Yeah, I don't have anything in baseball actually tonight. I'm, Me neither. I'm staying away. I got the Phillies future, so I'm just uh, cheering them on every single night. Yay, Phillies! Nothing in Astros Rangers. I would actually uh, lean Houston tonight, though, guys. Minus 110, the price. I yeah. kind of like the under, but I'm going to stay away, and I'm just all in on the Saints. And I don't feel as good as I did about 24 hours ago when I thought that we were going to get C.J. Beathard in this game. All right, let's bring in our buddy Paul Charchi and Chief Execution Officer GuillotineLeagues.com, KFAN in Minneapolis. Uh, we've got our we're, we're, so it's it's, it's interesting, Charch, because we're sitting here last segment and really leading up to this game, and you're going, okay, is Trevor Lawrence going to play? Is he not? Uh, I mean, fantasy props, it's all kind of the same here with this. What do you even mm-hmm. expect tonight in terms of a Trevor Lawrence type of performance, given that it's a major question mark with his knee? Yeah, that's a question mark. Um, I I don't know that it'll affect it. it will, well, obviously, it'll affect his running. So you mm-hmm. know, if we're and that was something he was a sneaky runner, right? You know, he finished most seasons like four and five rushing touchdowns, and he'd chip in a few yards here and there, and even a few designed runs. All that's off the board. So there'll be a few more passes in this game. I expect the arm to be okay. I, you know, he didn't get obviously didn't get a lot of work in a short week of practice uh, with a leg, but I don't care. I, you know, you know, he knows what he's doing from a passing standpoint and. I think we're going to see plenty of passing in this game. It's just going to be very highly targeted, and they're going to be very smart about where the passing goes for Trevor Lawrence, which brings me, if I can just go right to my favorite play of the night. Yes, can you we can. Just go right there. Go right That's to it. Go right there, there, Charge. Right. Tell us. I, I love Christian Kirk tonight. So his over under uh-huh. is four and a half, and I love the anytime touchdown. Let's talk it through, and it's a little bit complicated, but not a lot. I think you know even Ryan can keep up with this. You ready? Oh my god! <laughs> Here we go. Great shot, love it. The the outside cornerbacks for the Saints are fantastic. Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, they combine to allow combined two and a half catches per game. That's it. So that's the outside cornerbacks. So what does everybody do? They pound the middle of the field with their slot receivers. That brings us to Christian Kirk, who runs the majority of his routes from the slot. The guy that the out the corner that they uh, that they use the Saints use is a guy named Alante Taylor. He's their slot cornerback, and he's awful. He's allowed 300 passing yards in his coverage already. That's 14th most in the league. And get this, he's picked on so much, he's seen more targets at him than any player in the league at any position. 51 targets have already come at Elante Taylor, the slot cornerback, lining up opposite Christian Kirk. There's our four-and-a-half receptions. Now, there's no Zay Jones on the field. That's going to free up five targets per game. Some of that goes to Christian Kirk. And since the opener, Christian Kirk's averaging six-and-a-half receptions anyway in neutral matchups, this is an extremely positive one. 
So roll all that together. Elante Taylor's given up three touchdowns in his coverage already. I love the four and a half receptions. I like the anytime touchdown Christian Kirk as well. I think he's the pivot play in the game tonight, and my, all of my favorite bets run through him. Ooh, tell me about what you think of Alvin Kamara in this matchup because we know that the Jags give up a lot of yards to opposing running backs, also receptions, I think on average over six and a half and like over 40 yards. Do you like Alvin Kamara in this game too? You know, I do, and it's so chalky. You know, I was looking at his number. I think his his reception number is like 35 and a half, something like that. 31 and a half. Thank you, 31 and a half. And I'm like, oh, man, that's. It's tempting because he's going to get all. He's going to see a lot of receptions, and you're right that that's that is an opportunity for them. Jacksonville just allowed the Colts running backs to catch 11 passes for 84 yards, and that's not normal. You know they don't normally give that that much, but on the season the Jags are 30th in receptions and 26th in receiving yards allowed to the position. So there are just going to be a lot of opportunities for Kamara. I was worried about that number, but if you're going to go one way on it, I, I would take the over on a team that's uh, giving up six and a half receptions per game just to the running back position. Yeah, Paul, moving on uh, a couple more games this weekend. I was looking at Denver-Green Bay just because Jordan Love hasn't looked very yeah. good the last two weeks, but now he's going against Denver's defense. I think that's a great matchup, hopefully, for Jordan Love and for Aaron Jones if he's able to give it a go and Matt LaFleur gives him the touches. What do you think about this spot here for Green Bay and for Jordan Love? Well, Denver's the ultimate get-right spot for Jordan Love, right? The play has been super ugly. Uh, The slow processing, the awful accuracy. I mean, when he drops back to pass, you can, he's working so hard, you can almost smell the the, the synapses firing in his head, right? You know, and then he's just spraying balls all over the field. And it's not because he doesn't have time. The Packers are actually one of the best pass-blocking teams in the NFL. They rank fourth best by pro football focus, fifth best in pass-block win rate. But the good thing about Love, and why I think he has a big game here, is he's got all the right traits that we want, especially from a fantasy standpoint. He's got the big arm for downfield delivery, and we don't really care that he's that he doesn't that he sprays the ball around. He's not that accurate from a fantasy standpoint, and he's got the mobility. So Denver's allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They've allowed the most passing yards, the most passing touchdowns. Three state court street quarterbacks have run for twenty five or more rushing yards. So I feel like it all comes together here. I think we get the bounce-back game from for Jordan Love that he needs to have. Talking to Paul Charchi and Bet MGM tonight, uh, Justin Jefferson's going to miss some time. I know this is dear and close to your heart up there in, uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, I, we, yeah. we, we, like, there's no way that you can replace somebody like that, right? There's always the cliche of, like, next man up, come on. There's no such thing as another Justin Jefferson out there. But what do we do if somebody's looking at anything Vikings-related or they're looking to maybe replace him in their lineup, or they're looking to find me target somebody else uh, in the props market as well in terms of receivers maybe for the Vikings. Yeah, this is a tricky spot. Mm-hmm. So we've got a one-game sample size of life without Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings, and it ain't good. The Vikings last week, their offense generated one touchdown. They ran the ball for two yards per carry, and Kirk Cousins threw for 180 yards against the Bears. Ugh. So where does that leave fantasy owners for Monday night in the the tight end landscape being what it is? You have to start TJ Hawkinson. You don't really have a choice. You know, he's still a high-volume player, although not playing all the – well, by the way, got paid, got the big fat contract in August. He's had seven contested catch opportunities. He's dropped six of the seven. He's only made the one catch. Um, So you got to start Hawkinson just on sheer volume. Second most uh, targeted tight end in the league. 
But what about Kirk Cousins? I think that's a much trickier gray area, given that he was very good. He's still the league leader in touchdown passes, even after the uh, the lousy game last week. But this is a really tough matchup against San Francisco, obviously. Number one in coverage, number one in pass rush by pro football focus. The hope here is that the Vikings' improved offensive line can give him a little bit of time, and maybe there's a ray of hope against a great secondary. Niners have played a super weak schedule of quarterbacks. The only Cousins-level quarterback to face San Francisco was Matthew Stafford. He threw for 307 yards and a touchdown, so... Maybe you could start. Uh, maybe you could start Kirk Cousins. I love it, but you could, you know, you could do worse in a pinch. And it's the bye week with six teams off, and everybody's hurt, so it's kind of a pinch. Yeah, Charge. I have uh, I have six players that are all on bye on my fantasy. Oh. yes, yeah, six. So oh. it's very. It's not looking good. There's a lot, a lot of Ingram uh, backup running backs in the in the, yes. in the flex spot. But you you mentioned tight ends, and I am curious about one tight end in particular who used to be like a top three, not three, tight end in fantasy, and that's Darren Waller. He just hasn't really looked himself. The Giants' offense is abysmal. I think it's the worst offensive line in the last three years, probably every single year. What do you do if you have him? Is he a, is he a trade candidate? I mean, do you keep starting him? Do you find somebody else on, like, a streaming basis? Ah, uh, Trista, this has been a wreck for Darren Waller, hasn't it? You know, you know, he was went off the board as tight end four in Ugh. the preseason. Right now, tight end sixteen. No touchdowns for Darren Waller to this point in the season. I'm going to choose to be optimistic about this, though, and hope that you know, like it can't get any worse for the Giants' offense, probably. Um, and it seems like Brian Dable is making a concerted effort to get Waller the ball. He's running over the last three weeks. He's running 50% more routes than he did in the first three games. Last two weeks, 19 targets, including seven from Tyrod Taylor last week, including that attempted game-winning touchdown throw that should have been a touchdown, but it was and it was pass interference, but he didn't call pass interference. Anyway, it hasn't all materialized to fantasy points yet. You can't trade him away because you're trading at the lowest possible value for Darren Waller. You could even make a case maybe that we trade for him because we think he's a good player at a uniquely low value. Um, and we're just going to hope he gets better because if he gets this much volume, that it's gonna the numbers have to come along, have to. I mentioned, Charge, before that I got JT 69th overall. Nice. He's finally back into the fold. Uh, snap yeah. count still limited. What do you do with yeah. JT? At what point can we like just confidently start him? And is Zach Moss the fly in the ointment all year? Oh, God. Yeah, I see. That's a great question. And I, the answer looks like yes. So, you know, A, Moss has been legitimately good. So, I mean, you know, so that's part of it. And I think the other thing is this new contract actually works against him being a workhorse because they've got another viable guy to keep the carry count on Taylor relatively low so that he is still viable in year two and year three of that extension that he got. So I think we're going to see a two-headed work uh, work uh, flow for the most of the rest of the season, assuming they're both healthy. Gross. But this week in particular, now we got Cleveland. This thing's brutal. I mean, Cleveland's defense is insane. This is such a great defense. They're giving up the sixth-fewest rushing yards per game. They're allowing the tenth-fewest touchdowns to opposing running backs. Um, this is a it's a really tough spot here, and you know, divide that running load up both ways and. I don't love it. I got Jonathan Taylor's running back 22, but even that feels, honestly, a little bit optimistic here. 
Oh, Paul, the uh, Bears secondary isn't very good when they're healthy, and right now they're all beat up, and this week they right. get the Raiders. But Devontae Adams hasn't got the targets the last two weeks. He's upset. He's talking nope. about it. And you look at his receiving yards, 68 and a half. You have a backup quarterback with Brian Hoyer. Uh, in fantasy purposes and in props, you know, what do you do with Devontae Adams right now? Do you stay away, or is it a guy that you want to target against the Bears this week? Well, see, we what we're not clear on, and he complained openly to the public about his usage, and I don't blame him because they're yeah. barely throwing to him, right? And we know that at some level of superstardom, the squeaky wheel does get the grease, and that he's at that level, so he probably does. But the X factor here is this shoulder injury that he's had since he suffered the so- shoulder injury in week four. He's only seen nine total targets since then. That's it. And so, you know, what we don't know on the outside is. How much is that shoulder limiting him to the point that Josh McDaniels doesn't feel like he can trust a lot of balls going his way? And obviously the Hoyer thing's not great. Um, the Bears used to be a get-right defense, but they've been better lately. They got Jalen Johnson back, their star cornerback. He's back now. Eddie Jackson's expected back. So I'm still a little bit lukewarm, and I'm cautious on Devontae Adams. Normally a top five receiver for me. I've got him graded out at wide receiver 16 this week. George, still got about 90 seconds or so here. That Sunday night game, Dolphins and Eagles, I mean, uh, fingers crossed that it's the matchup that we hope it's going to be, right? And we don't get one of those letdown Mm -hmm. blowouts like we've had in a lot of these standalone primetime games. But, I mean, listen, two five-and-one teams, a lot of offense. The total's at 51-and-a-half in that who or maybe multiple names do you look at and say they're in a really good matchup in this game? Well, you know, I still love Tyree Kill. And, mm. you know, there might be, you might be tempted to go, ah, oh, yeah, the serious play, James Bradbury. Those guys aren't as good this year. They're, they're not as good, flat out. And maybe part of it is also that, you know, they've had safety issues. Blankenship's been out the whole season, and he's going to miss this game as well or is expected to miss this game. So maybe that's part of it as well. The Eagles are actually bottom ten in yards, receptions, and touchdowns to wide receivers. So, to me, it's still game on for Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I'm starting those guys like I normally would. Uh, Tua, obviously, same thing. You know, the guy that I think is really fascinating out of this is DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. You know, Philadelphia's offensive line is obviously elite. No doubt, right? Miami, they're ranked 27th in run stuff win rate. That's not great. And that gives an opportunity here for, you know, another Philadelphia big running game for DeAndre Swift. It's just the always catch on DeAndre Swift, of course, is anything near the goal line is going to their quarterback. So you can't count on touchdowns. That's that's the frustrating thing. And only 10 carries for 18 yards last week after 17 for 70 against the uh, Rams before that. Paul Charchin, mm-hmm. always good, good to talk to you, man. We always appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Man, I cannot wait for that Sunday night game, too. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, there's certain ones oh, you just yeah. look at the calendar, you look on the the schedule, and you go, oh, God. A lot of sharp money on the Eagles. Yeah, a lot. Don't of, like it. It feels like a bounce-back spot after what happened last week, but, I mean. Keep can, proving them wrong, can that, Dolphins. Can that Dolph, or can that Eagles offense keep up with Miami? That's the thing. Because I know that Miami's, on, de- Miami's defense is not something you can depend on. That's for sure. I just hope it's a good game. Yeah. Not like the last time I got excited for Sunday night football. I know. Stop it. It's, 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 it's mean. These, these standalone games. Hey, that's mean. Absolutely. I love the Eagles. I bet you do. I also love JMU tonight. Uh-oh. Marshall moving the ball right, right now. We are Marshall. <laughs> Jordan Johnny of CBS Sports is going to join us next. Right up here. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.